This whole bi-coastal friendship that we have going on, quite often our our interactions come through Twitter DMs or through text message, but mostly through Twitter DMs. And uh, I usually take my time in responding to a Twitter DM because what could possibly be important on Twitter.com. So today, when I got a text message from you saying, go watch the video I just sent you, <laughs> I was like, oh, what could this possibly be? Or does he need to like talk about this as soon as possible? Is this a serious video? And then I went to the video and realized that it was a video of our beloved Shohei Otani singing Despacito, the Japanese language version, I'm pretty sure. It's hard to tell yeah. in the video because the, the audio is not great, but you can tell that he is hitting those notes. <laughs> As someone who's in the music business like you, that band that you <laughs> killing it with your college band, what is your assessment of Shoei Otani's singing ability? Give me your best Randy Jackson or Simon Cowell. <laughs> uh, it's a yes from me, dog. <laughs> that, that was, it was incredible. And the thing is, so I think that this was like, part of a rookie hazing thing, which first of all, this is the only acceptable rookie hazing. I will only allow karaoke versions of Despacito going forward. Um, but like, so he has the lyrics up on his phone and he has a, he has a mic. I don't know how or why they like had a mic on the bus, but karaoke okay, we'll team just, bus. Yeah. Why not? What? Of, of all the teams that I would have predicted to have a karaoke team bus, the angels, Really? With Mike Sosha? They would have been like <laughs> maybe dead last behind the card. Yeah. Actually, they would have been ahead of the Cardinals. Uh, maybe I think at this point, now that Sosha is out, they're just like, screw it, man. Or maybe Sosha's like, screw it. Like, do whatever the hell you want. Sosha's just, like I, a Maybe Sosha grabbed the mic next. Yeah. And started <laughs> singing In My Feelings by Drake or something like that. Like, who knows? <laughs> I would pay a lot of money, more money than I have in my bank account to see that. Yeah. I, I think the, the funniest part about the video is like, so he hits the chorus and people start singing along and like everyone's really into it and everyone's like, all right, cool. And like claps a little bit. And like, he keeps going. Like it's a, it's a minute and a half long. He just powers through the next verse of Despacito, which like more power to him, man. He can kind of sing a little bit. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was not terrible. It was better than I would say most MLB players can sing probably. Thousand percent better than you during your birthday. Your 20, 20, was that your 21st or I your 22nd that. birthday? That was 21st, right? Yeah, 21st. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine he didn't have as much going on in the hours prior. <laughs> he could keep his voice nice and fresh. Um, I need more videos like this in my life. Get every single player singing. I feel like Lindor, karaoke. Who's winning a karaoke contest out of everyone in MLB? Otani put his name in the mix, but... Do you think there's someone else who could do better? Is there a secret crossover star that we're not thinking about? Oh, that's an interesting one. Because I know there used to be a couple baseball players who like were real musicians. Like Barry Zito and Bernie Williams like actually played guitar and sang and put out real albums. Surprising. Barry Zito yeah. being in a real band is like the least surprising thing of the 21st <laughs> yeah. century. Yeah. But uh, today... Um, 
That's tough. I think you bring up a good suggestion with Lindor. I think he would get out there and uh, rock it. I think Puig would rock the hell out of the mic and probably flip it at the end once he's done. Deservedly so. Just kick the mic stand over when he's done? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever works, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lindor has the charisma. So even if the voice isn't there, he could really make up for it. I feel like Otani's probably got to be the number one. There's some secret baseball player who can sing really well that we don't know. So if you're listening and you do know, DM us those videos because baseball players singing karaoke is like peak tipping pitches. <laughs> so true. We got to keep this beat up, man. We got to keep our uh, our finger on the pulse of this one. Of baseball and karaoke? I mean, we already hit the Josh Beckett thing like eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, true. It's a <laughs> brand now. <laughs> All right, let's move on from one incredible video on the internet to another i don't know if anyone else saw this but some boston red sox fans came across the 2017 or 28 was it 2018 yeah 2018 the 2018 red sox al east division champs banner um and we're gonna get deep into the weeds of that we're gonna do a video annotation of that but before we do uh i'm bobby wagner and i'm alex Baisley. And this is Tipic Pitches. The podcast that will definitely annotate a video, a visual medium, in audio form. Alex, are you ready? I am so ready. I. <laughs> this is probably the only... If if you would have told me that we would have a video that would top Shohei Otani singing Despacito this week, I I wouldn't have believed you. I would have I would have shut you down. But here we are, man. This is Boston fans delivered as they always do. <laughs> you could say that they always do. Sure. Uh, <laughs> seriously, big week in uh, in videos on Tipping Pitches. Here we go. Now we have our coffee. We're on. We're driving on McGrath Highway in Somerville. Already impressively northeast. Started like, with the coffee, just right <laughs> off the bat. What kind of coffee do you think it was? <laughs> what do you think? It's got to be Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> got to be Dunkin'. <laughs> and I noticed a couple cars swinging, like moving to the right, and we seen something in the street. It's at and this point like, that I have to say, there's just a dog barking in the background of the video, and the Boston Globe, who put together this video, um... We probably should have mentioned that. Shout out to the Boston Globe for digging this story up. Uh, the Boston Globe who put together this video wasn't like, can we put this dog outside? <laughs> Come on, guys. Think about your audio. And he's like, Louie, what is that? What is I'm like, I don't know. I don't. What is it? So I ran across the highway to grab it. We brought it in the car. We had no idea what it was. Yeah, it was wrapped up in a, a brown paper bag. <laughs> Wait, can we can we just point out that he just said he saw a brown paper bag on the highway and it disturbed him so much that he ran across several lanes of traffic to go and pick it up knowing he had no idea what was inside but he was like this is this is god telling me something. Yeah. So he's driving by on the highway, he sees trash and he's like this is a foreign substance to me. What? <laughs> Okay, let's continue. First thing I said, this belongs to the Red Sox. This yeah. is for Fenway Park. Yeah. Like, how do we have <laughs> First thing I said was, this belongs to the Red Sox. I, Fenway I really, Park. <laughs> I, I heard this video and I thought that Boston Globe reporters were doing a dramatic reading, like something that you and I would do, like just goofing off. But this is too real to be true. People don't say that. People aren't like, I see an item and I'm like, this belongs to my mother. Or like, <laughs> this belongs to the United States. I see a flag. This belongs to the United States of America. <laughs> I guess people probably do say that last one. But <laughs> anyway. Like, how do we have this? Like, nobody made this. This belongs to the park. I'm thinking that they hang it off the green monster. Yep. We want to give it back to them because it belongs to them and it doesn't yeah. belong to us. Yeah. But in in reciprocation, we would like, you know, maybe to go yeah. to a nice playoff game or yes. we were looking for something. We just don't want to hand it over to them. Right? I mean, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, 
Let's hear that last part. Wait, 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 wait. Before you continue, let's hear that last part one more time. In reciprocation, we would like, you know, maybe to go to a nice playoff game. Or we're looking for something. We just don't want to hand it over to them. Do you think that when the Boston Globe approached these guys to, like, make a video about their story, they knew that they were making a ransom video? Like, do you think that they had this in the back of their minds at all? And then the guy just started saying, like, hey, maybe we want a little something in return, you know? And the Globe reporters are like, what the hell did we get ourselves into? My favorite thing about you is that you're from the Bay, and so your representation of a Boston accent is just the same as a New York accent. Exact same, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I'm surprised their faces aren't, like, grayed out and their voices aren't, like, (laughs) made anonymous. (laughs) I, I the the part of the video that isn't conveyed here that you just have to watch to experience is that like the interview is interspersed with cuts of them just like dramatically folding up and unfolding the flag as if it's like an American flag like they don't put it on the ground they they lay out this piece of cloth and wrap it up in it like it's it's pretty incredible I feel like I would treat the 2015 NL uh pennant the same way you know So I can't blame them for that part of it. The part that I will critique them for, though, is the first thing out of the guy's mouth. In his own words, he's re-describing the story. The first thing out of the guy's mouth was, first thing I thought was, this belongs to the Boston Red Sox. (laughs) And then the second thing that he thought was, I got to get something for this. (laughs) Like, what an enterprising, young, kind of neo-Nazi looking gentleman. I respect it. Right. I mean, no, no. we need o- to negotiate here. We want. Yeah. We're looking for Listen, like you know. We're, we're working too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my man. Has <laughs> we're working too. <laughs> we Again, ran several, across three several lanes. lanes of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, the A's just clinched. We're recording this on a Monday night, which is rare for us. But the A's just clinched a playoff spot. Um, because the Rays lost tonight to the Yankees. Would you run across three lanes of traffic to get the A's wild card banner? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the only thing that makes this funny is that it's Boston fans. If it was me, would I do the same thing? Hell yeah. <laughs> the, our great, the greatest pastime that we have as baseball fans is making fun of Boston fans for doing things that we would probably also do for our teams. Yeah, pretty much. But you can just be like, yeah, but they're from Boston. So like... <laughs> They're like, we would jump out of a burning building to get the banner. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. There's there's 45 more seconds. We know that that's the original one. We were told there was only one made. Yeah, we were told there was only one so banner made. So at that made. point, that tells us. But then they told us they had a duplicate. So if they do try to put a duplicate up, you yep. best believe we're going to show up and say. We have the right one. That's not the yep. right. That's not the original. So we're hoping that they don't make one. And they- <laughs> We were told that there was only one. Who told them? Because apparently Boston Red Sox, the official stance of the organization is that there's another one out there because they just said there's a duplicate. So uh, who yeah. told them that this was the original one? The the enterprising young journalists over at the Boston Globe reached out to like the flag making company who made this banner. And the PR guy was like, oh, yeah, we already have another one made. Which like... <laughs> blows their entire thing to pieces the guys are like no but but this is the real one and it's like (laughs) oh it's the real one this is the betsy ross flag (laughs) all right let's power through right to the end 25 more seconds and they and they put the right one up we're hoping they do the right thing you know we did the right thing we could have kept it we could have put it on ebay we could you know we got connections where we could have reached out to other sources we're big supporters of the Red Sox. And we want to see them win, and we want this banner to go back on Lansdowne Street <laughs> or wherever it belongs. We could have put it on eBay, Alex. Think about that. Yeah. We could have Can put you imagine it on- the amount of money they would have made off this thing? <laughs> people, All eight people that still go to eBay.com would have been on a crazy <laughs> bid off for it. My dad would have probably been one of those eight people, I just want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I... The so like the the video is the centerpiece of this story, but like there's an actual like reported piece behind this, right? And the 
the banner making company, the PR guy, a, a doubled down in an interview and was like, there's no way this banner just happened to fall off a truck while they were driving. Like what, the back of the truck just flew open and this one banner just happened to roll out onto the street. The The guy was like, I don't know if it fell off or it uh, just walked off the the truck. And then he calls, he calls the guy, he says, these guys stole my banner and should be ashamed of themselves. This is not Boston. <laughs> isn't it <laughs> though? Isn't it Boston? <laughs> to which one of the guys responded, they lost the, censored, it's expletive. They're the ones that expletive up. I found it. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I'm like, yeah, man, you so are here. You are in the right 100% in this one. Didn't it turn out that they ended up getting nothing for this? Yeah, they they gave it back and they didn't get anything. Ah, oh, true Sox fans right there. They did it for the good of the socks. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I was going to say, like, what is your theory for how this banner just ended up on the side of the road? Uh, it probably didn't. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't wrapped know about up that. In a per- perfectly wrapped up in a brown paper bag, like fucking lunch in middle school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it was. Hey, maybe we shouldn't doubt the guys. They, uh, you know, they're good, hardworking people. They don't deserve to have their name slandered like this. Maybe they just found a banner and wanted to be a couple of good Samaritans, you know? What are their names? Joey and Tommy? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Louie. <laughs> and uh, James. That's not James. interesting. Uh, he probably goes by Jimmy. I was surprised yeah, it so wasn't. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Ted and Carlton or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. Okay. All right. We need to. We're going to cut it there because I don't want to hear any more about how they organized some the town style heist to steal the Red Sox 2018 playoff <laughs> banner. I just want this to be the memory in my head. So we're going to take a quick break. So we had to take a moment this week to talk about a uh, development in a story that's kind of been ongoing for the last year, but when it started, we weren't a podcast. So we want to take this time to just kind of address it and unpack uh, everything that's there. So um, in June of last year, uh, some of you listening may know that Addison Russell uh, was accused kind of indirectly. There were rumors swirling essentially um, about domestic abuse and emotional abuse allegations um, against him inflicted upon his then wife. and the he like went on administrative leave, was put on administrative leave by the team, by the Cubs. Uh, the MLB said they opened an investigation, nothing came of it. And then that was really the last we heard of it um, until now, which uh, Russell's now ex-wife, Melissa Reedy Russell, wrote a, a really lengthy blog post um, just kind of detailing the really like the horrors that she went through during her marriage to Addison. Um, It's a lot of like verbal and emotional and physical. And she talks um, very vividly just kind of about the, the terror there. And it's a, first of all, a really courageous thing to do um, of her to kind of come out and share her story, but it's, touches on uh, I think a lot of things that we have discussed on this podcast before just kind of about how the league handles these certain things and uh, and just kind of how we as fans tend to respond to it yeah uh, the piece that she wrote I think courageous is the right word for it that you use there and I think first and foremost like it's important to acknowledge how hard of a thing that is to do when your significant other is like of the importance that Addison Russell is like to a city, to a franchise that's worth over a billion dollars. I think we, I think we often forget like how hard it is for people to like speak out about these things that have happened to them in the past. when like their significant other has the corporate backing of something like a conglomerate, like the Chicago Cubs or of like a production studio in Hollywood, for example. Yeah. Um, there's a real power imbalance there. Yeah. And there's like, even just like practically speaking, there's like 
a lawyer imbalance and like a funds imbalance and like all of that, yeah. all of those different things that are complicating the fact that she told, like found the courage to tell her story. And so if you are listening to this and you haven't read it, I suggest you, if you feel strong enough to go read it and hear her story in her own words, because that's important. And I think a lot of people that are associated with the Cubs are not doing that or not hearing her story in her own words. Um, I think that's first and foremost in this conversation. And then second, I want to say like we've talked a lot about like domestic violence and MLB's handling of it. Um, and this is sort of, I remember we talked about Miguel Sano um, and the photographer who or the like contractor photographer for uh, the Minnesota twins. And similarly to that story, it's like, it's murky when like the reporting doesn't take you all the way there. Um, and you haven't you're not like we're never going to be like within the within the actual scenario and we're never going to like fully understand the extent of the feelings that melissa reedy russell was going through so i think it's like these are really hard things to talk about but i also think like the most important way for us to talk about this is like how systemic it is and the reason that it's systemic at least in my mind is because like mlb's responses to this and certain clubs responses to this are always they always come up short because they don't have to actually hit the mark you know what i mean like no one is holding their feet to the fire in the situation to actually be proactive because the cubs clearly have a pattern of i don't know how to say this like politely but they have a pattern of not giving a shit about people and not giving <laughs> a shit about people who are in vulnerable positions you know like they traded for Aroldis chapman in 2016 to win the world series they traded for daniel murphy right before pride night they have i think largely swept this story under the rug with addison russell i mean just before we got on the podcast you and i were talking about this and we were i was trying to figure out if we had mentioned this situation just this ongoing uh, allegedly ongoing investigation by the mlb and uh and you said, no, I don't think we have mentioned it because we were in a podcast then. And you just mentioned that again now. And I was like, I I am kind of a little bit dumbfounded that it happened so long ago. And because it feels like it was just something that happened like at the beginning of this season and could theoretically still be ongoing or whatever. But like it happened so long ago, it's out of the collective conscious, even for people who think about and care about these things. and. I don't know. At least to me, it's like, so essentially the Cubs statement was that they said, quote, we take allegations of domestic violence seriously and support the league's decision to place Addison Russell on administrative leave given new details revealed today. We will continue to cooperate with the league's investigation so the appropriate action can be taken. And that was from a uh, Cubs reporter for the athletic Chicago, Patrick Mooney. And basically to me, that's like, it's what it's really telling me is that like they don't take this seriously. They didn't give a shit about it until Melissa Reedy Russell took the very brave step of putting her story out in public. And like, if we're really going to expect organizations to only act when uh, survivors find the courage to tell their story in a blog post, like we're only going to pick there, but then we're only going to pick and choose like very certain sparse occurrences where this happens and like we're missing a lot of other stuff and just letting it go yeah and another thing that i think is important to realize is there's not a statute of limitations on these allegations or anything like that i mean a lot of people were like well this is a year after the fact like why is she just coming out about this now um and it's like it doesn't matter if she came out now or a year ago or next year you know and it's it feels like i don't know it feels very fitting that we're having this conversation with the uh i guess political week that we're having surrounding a certain supreme court nominee and certain allegations coming out about him um and and the point is like melissa is not required to come out and share her story at the pace that you want or the league wants or anyone else, right? It's like, these are really traumatic things that are not easy to, to deal with and to handle. And so, um, 
any attempt to delegitimize that because of the passage of time is, I mean, frankly, pretty ridiculous. And and I also think it's important to note that like the league just put him on administrative leave, not the Cubs. Um, and they did it because this is a PR nightmare, right? Like he was on leave when the news came out a year ago, the team put him on leave. And now the league is like, oh, well, we're going to take a renewed um, look at this. But their excuse was that um, she didn't cooperate with the investigation. And so there's really nothing they can do. And like you were saying, they were very willing to just kind of sweep it under the rug. And it really does add up to those. Very large, willing. Yeah. Extremely willing. Like they weren't being proactive about this at all. Like I can't overstate how much of a blip this was and how quickly it went away in circles other than the ones that we traffic in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I work for a company. I produce a baseball podcast that like, I haven't heard this talked about in any of those like professional circles. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And, and that's not to fault all of these places that stopped talking about this. That's to fault the organization that has a responsibility to make sure that its employees are not committing misconduct against their spouse or loved ones or anyone, you know? Yeah. And it, it runs counter to a lot of like what Theo Epstein preaches about in terms of like uh, clubhouse chemistry and wanting to create a team full of like people who are genuinely good. And like your track record does not speak for that bud at all. And I don't think it's just Theo either, right? Like, he preaches about it, so he deserves to get shamed about it. But I think every GM would do the exact same thing because at the end of the day, this is a product that's designed to make money, unfortunately. Um, but I I do think that when stories like this come out, it requires a refocusing of what really matters at the end of the day and how you make a space and a sport that's more inclusive for everyone. Because all this does is drive people who might be interested in investing themselves uh, in this away. Like there's no way that this attracts fans, right? Um, and especially seeing how the league handles this sort of thing. There's no way you can look at this and be like, yeah, this these all seem like stand-up people. Like they've all handled this really well and I want to give my money to this. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't do that and I don't know why anyone else would. Yeah, I think there's certain elements of this. It's like teams only are willing to commodify things about players that can make teams money. You know what I mean? Like they're not willing to actually look at the totality of actions of a player and like evaluate the morality of that. And I mean, I know those lines are like shifting and like people have, it's very hard to agree on what morality is, but like that doesn't, that doesn't apply to this situation. It, it's pretty clear that like teams are willing to pull skim off the top of player of the commodification of players for things that they like. Like I'm thinking of, Jose Reyes with the Mets and how they've handled this situation. They're they're very willing to be like, remember when Jose Reyes was on the team in 2005 and uh, remember when he saw all these bases and remember the Jose, Jose, Jose chant, like all these different things. The Mets are very willing to blow that all over social media, but they're super duper not willing. And Sandy Alderson is guilty of this too. They're super duper not willing to talk about all the reasons that he shouldn't be on the team on field but way more importantly off field the reasons that he shouldn't be on the team like jose reyes was suspended for choking his wife and throwing her against a glass door and if that makes you uncomfortable to hear because you liked jose reyes as a player i'm sorry you shouldn't be a baseball fan you should be reassessing your place in society and your thoughts on domestic violence because like teams are very willing to ignore the parts of players and say well we don't know everything about the situation maybe he's changed or or maybe uh it's a he said she said kind of situation which i know rings resonant with what you brought up earlier about the the week of the news that we've had but like i don't know it it just it, it's very frustrating to me continually how teams are willing to look at circumstantial evidence that they do like and then ignore circumstantial evidence that they don't like does that make sense yeah it does and i agree with you on it i'm not sure i have much more to say on the topic because it's pretty abysmal and I don't see it necessarily changing anytime soon. 
But yeah. in theory, the more we talk about this as fans and show that it's something that we don't stand for, like this is a business. You can divert your money elsewhere, right? Like you don't have to buy a jersey. You don't have to uh, go to games. And I'm not saying that like uh, that like you have a moral obligation to make the to make these choices, but know that like you as a consumer have power to put pressure on these people, right? Like they are at our whim ultimately. And so it's on us to like stand up and be like, Hey, we don't stand for this shit. And if you're a Cubs fan and dealing with all of the honestly turmoil in terms of bringing on people who shouldn't be brought on to a team, my heart goes out to you. I told her to drive over in a new whip. Bring some friends she cool with. I'm gonna play this easy like we did when life was easy. She said, I'm too out of moving. But this hell of cool shit. And plus I got that wheezy weekend 500 degrees. It. This that throwback, throwback, throwback. This might be a throwback. Something that's been particularly annoying for me to watch unfold as this season has gone on is that my sweet lanky son, Jacob deGrom, has put up such a great season that many are talking about him in the NL Cy Young conversation. But because he's a pitcher and because he's on a team that's under 500, he probably won't end up winning that. But the player who will probably end up getting it over him, I think, or is at least heavily in the running, is none other than Christian Yelich, whom I love. I think he's great. I think he's cute. I think he's also a large, lanky son. And I just hate to watch it unfold. But he did something kind of crazy. So Alex, can you tell us why I should now care about the cycle as the only stat in baseball that really matters and is really weird? <laughs> um, our boy, Christian Yelich, or should I say uh, Pete Davidson? Cycled. Or should you say, as the ringer.com would say, what a great website, big stick energy big is what they said he has. Good God. <laughs> fire everyone who was involved in that (laughs) we uh he cycled um actually like a month ish ago um and we didn't even talk about it then because there are usually a couple cycles uh every season and it's fine they're fun they're enjoyable there's not much to say more beyond that but he did it again and not only did he do it again he did it against the same team which I think is the first time that's ever happened in a season, if I recall correctly. That is insane. And like, (laughs) obviously cycles are one of those things that like, they're kind of just statistical blips, you know, like you just happen to have a good game where you stuff the stat sheet. Sorry not to be like lame or boring about it. Um, But also they're immensely fun (laughs) because you never see this stuff. And I love, yeah. and triples are the most fun play in baseball, like bar none. Um, so like when he ended his first cycle with that, uh, it was like my heart was jumping for joy. And and my heart also goes out to the Reds because that just hurts, man. Rough season for Joey Votto. We haven't talked about him barely at all. It's Cincinnati, it's been, it's been tough for the team this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like, this sort of like in my mind reflects the conversation we had last week about advanced stats quote-unquote ruining the game or whatever or or like ruining following the game or whatever weird iteration of that joel sherman was trying to argue in the new york post um if you like cycles enjoy this if you think cycles are not that fun i don't agree with you but I'm also not going to start yelling at you online. I'm not going to get <laughs> mad online at you. So like, I think this is pretty fun. It's just, it's weird that it happened and especially weird that it happened against the same team. And I think it's fun when like weird statistical aberrations like this happen in, I think in favor of a player who's having a, like a really career year and like a, a story, a year that's like telling a story, you know, like he gets traded from, the Marlins, he's finally freed from that. Say what you want about Derek Jeter fixing the organization, but Yelich is finally freed from that clown, the clown show of an organization that he came up in. Um, and now he's like having a really great year with the Brewers, who are, I think, better than a lot of people, or at least challenging the Cubs a lot more than people expected them to. So if the cycle, if if these like lame, the cycle's not lame, I want to say that, but if these like lame 
statistical milestone things happen in conjunction with storylines that I think are worth following, I think it's fine to talk about them. But you're not going to get me to talk about how you know Max Scherzer has seven more pitcher wins than Jacob Degrom. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I mean, at the end of the day. All of these stats are meaningless. This is just a game. So, like, you are free to enjoy the ones you want. Like, the fact that Christian Yelich now has hit the last two cycles in MLB history. That's fun as hell, and we're all better for it. True. Now, just as we got done telling you that you're free to enjoy whatever stats you want, we're going to tell you what stat to enjoy right now. (laughs) Max Scherzer has 290 strikeouts on the year. He is pitching tomorrow tuesday we're recording this on a monday so if you're listening to this he's pitching tonight mad max crazy person he has 290 strikeouts in 213 innings this year that's a k per nine of 12.22 that would put him that right now that puts him at 10th all time chris sale is not qualified right now but if he were qualified not qualified for the era title or whatever because uh, he was hurt and he's pitched like I think 150 innings. If he were qualified, he would be having the highest K per nine season of all time, more than Randy Johnson in 2001, which I just have to say is absolutely insane. So there have been 15 pitchers who have reached the 300 strikeout club. And like Joel Sherman said, maybe the counting stats have sort of tapered off in recent years with all of the analytics and all of, you know, we watch war happen. We don't really watch it happen in real time because you like you can't calculate it or whatever. But if you watch baseball and you watch Max Scherzer and you're not, I, I'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't care a little bit about this 300 strikeout thing, right? Uh, absolutely, it's a <laughs> it's a feat in that I don't need like I'm speechless about it. Like it's it's <laughs> enjoyable to watch. I'll put it that way. Are you ready for some fun facts about some other players who have done it? Hit me with the fun facts. <laughs> um, can you guess the player who's had the highest war here while doing while striking out 300 players? Uh, Pedro. Nice. Pedro. 11.6 war Jesus in Christ. 1998 by fan graphs. Uh, the article that I'm reading this from is from when Clayton Kershaw did it in 2015. And before Chris Sale did it last year, struck out 308 people. 308 people, which I had just forgotten about till we started talking about this. Um, Kershaw was the last person to do it in 2015. He did it with 8.4 war. War is obviously amassed. Value is obviously amassed over time. And the more you pitch, the more value you accrue. So that's why Cy Young has accrued the most pitcher war of anyone ever, right? And Roger Clemens is way up there because he pitched for 24 years. Um, Max Scherzer this year is about to get to 300 strikeouts while being right around seven more, which would put him not dead last, but there are like six Nolan Ryan seasons at the bottom because Nolan Ryan just struck everyone out <laughs> and then just <laughs> and and like gave up home runs also because he like pitched from the time he was like in the MLB from the time he was like 18 to the time he was like 50. Yeah. But he was still just striking everyone out. So it wouldn't put him dead last, but it would put him like essentially seventh from the bottom out of all of the people who have had 300 strikeout seasons. So there've been more than 15 because a bunch of people have done it multiple times. But I think it's at least an interesting snapshot of where we're at in 2018, where we're at with like three true outcomes, where we're at with strikeouts is Max Scherzer is like, he's the evolution of the heavy strikeout, nasty stuff, throws hard pitcher. Like he throws a two seamer that can run up to 98 and usually stays around 97 he throws a ridiculous slider that'll put away anyone he goes out there for usually like seven innings and he just gives a max effort the entire time he's out there so much so that he looks like a crazy person then he comes out and he won't even i mean 220 innings is a lot by today's standard but like he's not going to get up into the 250 300 range ever again in his career Yet he's still going to join this elite club. So I think like like I said earlier when we were talking about Yelich, if it's something that bolsters the storyline, I think it's worth talking about these count by numbers chases. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I th- there are interesting ways of just tracking how the game has changed, right? When like when Nolan Ryan struck out 
383 guys. 383 guys. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that today? That's insane. But you also go back and look and he pitched like, you know, 330 innings almost that year. So then you're like, all right, that's, I mean, if you just take away a hundred innings to put him on par with Scherzer and you take away a hundred strikeouts, all of a sudden he's struck out like, uh, you know, uh, what is it like 230 guys that year and you're like all right that's not so impressive right like we are at the um the stage of baseball where players are just doing more with less right before like nolan ryan could do that because he just had a rubber arm so he'd go out there and throw 300 innings and he'd walk half the guys he faced and then he'd strike out the other half and that was about it um and but scherzer is he really is just like the embodiment of He's like the logical conclusion of baseball today, where it's just like just sheer like uh, will and combined with this, uh, I don't know, this like innate ability that has been trained to just strike out 14 batters per nine innings while all the while screaming to himself on the mound because he's just that fucking <laughs> crazy. Like One other thing, just looking at this list of best K per nine seasons, single seasons, Nine of the top 50 have happened this year. Nine of the top 50. It's insane. And the top the top three, I'll just go through the top five. It's Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Chris Sale last year, Garrett Cole this year. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Kerry Wood, Randy Johnson, and then Jose Fernandez is at seventh. So like these are all pitchers we always thought of as like the most entertaining to watch. The most electric to watch and now it it strikes me as weird that all of a sudden people are like oh all we get is strikeouts you know what i mean like oh so before it was cool when carrie wood was striking out 20 people but now it's like not as cool i guess there can be an argument to be made that when it's watered down it's like oh we just get that all the time but like i don't know i think it's still pretty damn exciting to watch someone whiff and walk back to the dugout frustrated yeah absolutely um before we move on from this, I want to uh, just take a brief tangent and not in any way something that we scripted or talked about talking about. Um, but uh, I, you know, I've been, I, I was going down a Mike Trout rabbit hole today, just while we're talking about um, really good players. Uh, uh, Mike Trout's the best. If you, if you, y'all listening didn't know that, um, no one can ever <laughs> accuse us of not talking about Mike Trout or not enough. But uh, I just want to point out that Mike Trout's already, he's already ranked 146th all time in war. All time. That's eight seasons for him. Eight seasons and he ranks 146th in the thousands and thousands of baseball players who have ever played the game. If he retired today, you'd be like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a shoot, you know, he's. He's Sandy Koufax, who retired too young, but uh, but just give him the Hall of Fame because he was so goddamn dominant. I the the age of baseball players that we're living in. If you're not just constantly in awe, I I don't know what to tell you. This will fit nicely against the conversation that we have where we talk too negatively about baseball all the time. This will be the tape that we can run when we talk positively <laughs> yeah. about it. Okay, one last thing to leave you guys on before we take a break, quick break and come back and talk about the Lord and Savior, Tim Tebow, which we have news about him this week. So I'm going to tease that real quick. But before we do that, I want to leave you guys with one final fact. Career K per nine leaders for not just for single season, but like from the time they came up to the majors and were pitching. Chris Sale, number one. Steven Strasburg, number three. Max Scherzer, number four. Corey Kluber, number seven. Clayton Kershaw, number eight. Chris Archer, number nine. That's for all pitchers in eternity. That's six out of the top nine. And the other ones rounding that, those the top ten out are Randy Johnson, Kerry Wood, Pedro Martinez, and Nolan Ryan. So we are living in the golden era of pitchers being really fucking good at striking <laughs> people out. So if you can't derive joy from that, I don't know what to tell you. Go watch Pitching Ninja on Twitter. You'll suddenly <laughs> know more about what it takes to strike major league hitters out. And I, before we move on from that, I just think it illuminates what is so 
fascinating about baseball at all, right? Is like, like go down a statistical rabbit hole and find out how a guy who struck out five batters per nine innings back in 1940 was able to be successful at all, right? Like rather than wringing your hands about how like the game's dead basically because there are strikeouts for some reason, if that's your gripe, I don't know. Uh, just, just like let your mouth drop a little bit and be like, holy shit, man, these guys are good. Tipping pitches. Go down a rabbit hole. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of Tipping Pitches, it's been a long while since we've talked about our prodigal son, Timothy Richard Tebow, but we have an update for you. Tim Tebow will officially be back, according to Tim Healy of Newsday. Tim Tebow is coming back next year, folks, and he is starting in Triple A. So those those checks are still cashing down there in the minor leagues. He's uh, <laughs> still feels worth it to him for some reason, and it's still the <laughs> Mets still are finding reasons to employ him. I just want to first say, shout out Newsday, former employer of mine. What a great, still sticking it out newspaper. Shout out to Long Island. <laughs> Second of all, I want to say, it's an absolute organizational travesty. I can't keep up this facade for an entire year longer, Alex. <laughs> it's an organizational travesty that the Mets are going to be employing Tim Tebow in AAA next year to start out the season. AAA. That's where Peter Alonso is going to be, Alex. I know. I know. That's where they played on the same team this year, too. Yeah. Jesus. Peter Alonso has spent more time with Tim Tebow than he has with Mickey fucking Callaway. Yeah. Okay. Than he has with Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom and all the players he should be playing with. What's going on here? Why is this happening? <laughs> Peter Alonso's asking Tim Tebow for batting tips, and Tim's like, <laughs> Actually, my eyes are usually closed when the ball crosses the plate. I just kind of <laughs> poke the bat out there and see what happens. And Peter's like, dude, Jeez. what the fuck? Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I'm happy for Tim. He's sticking out his dream. And I, I have to respect that because you can't stomp all over other people's dreams to play the game that we love. But I just have to say, why does it have to be my team? Why can't it be like, <laughs> I don't know, the Royals or something? Yeah, the Cardinals. fits really well with him. Yeah. Some like really religious franchise. Yeah. Why can't it be them? Yeah, this is, yeah, it's it's now past the point of it just being like a cutesy little sideshow. Like we're now at the point where I'm like, are we going to see Tim Tebow before we see Peter Alonzo? Like, is that really what it's going to come to at this point? Well, like it just gets back to the conversation that we had earlier with the Cubs in like a less twisted way. It's like, this is making the money. So they're going to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's basically just the explanation for every single thing any MLB team does. Yeah. It's not for competitiveness. It's not for morality. It's not for the betterment of the community. It's not for any of this shit. It's for the owner's pockets. That's it. 100%. Yep. It's everything. Yeah. It's why Alonzo's still in AAA. Yeah. Period. So sorry to like rain on everybody's Tim Tebow power hour parade. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> right on my own. <laughs> I didn't even know that this was going to come out of me today, but I guess it's just been a long day. So, yeah, what the hell's going on? I'm happy for Tim. Good for him. But eventually, at some point, I'd like to see him back on ESPN doing college football analysis and not batting 220 for my AAA team. Taking uh, the spot before of- that happens, I'd like to see him on tipping pitches, please. Oh, yeah, true. I will cut this whole segment out of the episode. I will go back, retroactively edit it, <laughs> chop it, make it different. I'll dub in my voice being like, actually, Tim Tebow is really good or something like that. <laughs> like make it really deeply. Tim Tebow is the best player that ever lived. <laughs> Just on repeat for 20 minutes or whatever. If Tim was willing to call on tipping pitches, I have to say we're sellouts. We'll sell out for anyone. We'll sell anything. doesn't matter. Just come on the pod, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another doozy of an episode of Tipping Pitches. Alex, we were talking about in one of the breaks between segments how it feels like we've just been on 
emotional roller coasters of topics that we've chosen to talk about on this beloved podcast. But if you're along for the emotional roller coaster with us, we really do appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate any feedback, any ratings, any critiques. If you think we sound too much alike, like one of our very first listeners thought, which we'll um, never forget, by the way, and we will continue <laughs> to bring up. <laughs> I listen to other podcasts now where there's like two white guys talking, and I'm like, I can see a world where someone thinks that these people might sound alike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, if you're that person, you're still listening. Incredible. You found a way to tell our voices apart or you were fine with an hour and a half monologue podcast, whatever it is. Please rate, subscribe, go check us out on Radio Public. Um, the Radio Public app continues to get better. I use it every day. I'm not getting paid to say this. And folks, enjoy this last week of baseball because only a handful of teams are going to be around when October rolls around. So just enjoy things. It has been a long season. And if you've made it this far with us, thanks for coming on this ride because we really enjoyed it. And we are not slowing down anytime soon. We're going to, you heard it right here on the pod uh, episode every day during the playoffs, every single day, 30 days, 30 episodes. Oh you God. in Bobby? Yeah. I'm, I'm so in. Thank you for saying this at a point when no one would be listening. <laughs> Everyone's tuned up so right I have now. no one to hold us accountable. Um, thank you for listening. If you heard a baby screaming in the back of this podcast, it's because I live with my cousin and they just brought a newborn baby home. who's very cute, but I do apologize if there was any yelling or crying that I didn't find a way to edit out. So anyway, thanks for listening. Watch the final day of the regular season with as much rigor and excitement as you watch the first day of the regular season that's our parting advice and check back next week all right we'll see you soon so we stopped recording and then realized that tim timothy richard has a new book coming out so we wanted to add this quick little addendum to the pod for anyone who thought we were hashtag fake fans, Alex, please read me all the information that you can about this book, but keep it under a minute because I don't want to keep the listeners. <laughs> the ones who stuck around. Uh, the book is called <laughs> This is the Day, colon, Reclaim Your Dream, period, Ignite Your Passion, period, Live Your Purpose, period. Uh, tag yourself. <laughs> tag yourself. I'm Live Your Purpose. I'm one of like the eight periods in this title. I don't like <laughs> um it's a it's a self-help book and it's christian literature so like i don't know my two interests just combined right there and this is the like fifth book that tebow's put out at this point fourth book or something like that he's just writing up a storm these days man i guess in on those long minor league bus rides he's just you know pulls out the old pen and paper and and just gets down to work (laughs) all right well Look out for that book. Um, a thousand percent we're doing a book club about this book in the off season <laughs> totally. when we have nothing else to talk about. So buy the book now. Take some time to read it. Uh, and we'll get back to you later. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>